Welcome back to another episode of Transformation Talks. I'm your host, Sam Forget, and today we'll be joined by Ruby Cherie, who is an integrative specialist who connects mind and body, taking into account all aspects that make up your life-changing transformation to permanently change the trajectory of your life without restrictive and unsustainable diets and programs. Ruby, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I am pumped. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is long overdue. Obviously, we've connected on social and talked a lot about getting uh, getting on. And actually, one thing I'll mention before we dive into things, because I think somebody listening might find this funny, is that you were nice enough to reschedule today's podcast because of what will sound like the lamest excuse in the book, which is me having a case of the hiccups, which as you're listening to this may sound utterly ridiculous. But I, as I explained to you last week, Ruby, I'm one of those people that's, you know, not many people know this, but every, I don't know, six to 12 months, I'll get a case of the hiccups that lasts one to two plus weeks. And I'm talking 30 second intervals, can barely get a sentence out, can barely sleep. And I happen to get it right before we were about to record. So again, it was overdue both long term, excuse me, long term and short term. And I do appreciate you being here. And now it's just going to be double, double the goodness because it's like that spring effect of it got pulled, it got pulled. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. We're ready. And one thing that I would love to dive right into with you, because I saw you post about it recently. I know we both feel extremely passionately about it is the idea of putting both timelines in general on your journey, like these self-induced, I have to do X by Y date and typically having a very condensed timeline where nobody ever says, Oh, I want to do this in the next two years. It's I want this in the next two weeks. So can you expand on that post a little bit more kind of what you see come up for people when it comes to these self-induced timelines of when they want to accomplish things by? There are actually so many ways you can attack the timeline thing. One of it is if all you have in this moment is this external goal, you start out with the best intentions. Like, I want to lose weight because I don't like how I feel my skin. I want to start feeling fitter. I don't feel healthy right now. I don't have energy right now. But then as soon as you start attaching that goal that comes from a good place and you attach it to like an end date or to a number on the scale, you kind of lose yourself in the process. You kind of lose the real reason why you're doing what you're doing. And then all of a sudden you're just chasing a number. You're just chasing an end date. You hit that end date. And how does dopamine work? Dopamine doesn't work by, okay, we achieve this. The world is beautiful. No, like dopamine is something that is released in the process of pursuit. It's a motivation type of thing. And once you hit that, it's almost like a drug junkie looking for the next high. Now you need another one and then you can get that dopamine surge again and then it's gone and then you look for the next high. And that's why people keep going through these recurrent challenges, these recurrent things, because they don't remember how shit it felt. They don't, they like, well, they do, but they live in denial because we're such a being, no, we're not a being, we're such a doing society. We're not human beings anymore. Everything's like, do, do, do. We keep pushing this driving energy into something that isn't functioning. And I have this saying that your default settings are bullshit, but that is what you're driving. You're driving your default settings. And then every single time you hit like this thing, you toss the phone out or it just hits a malfunctioning thing. You refresh it, you restart it back to factory settings, but they're faulty. They are not working. Like 
that is why you came to do whatever it is that you wanted to do. That's why you wanted to do this change. That's why you started whatever journey it is because your default settings were outright shit. <laughs> and if, if you're not going to actually address the cogs, the wiring, it's like a computer program. If you're not going to actually pull it apart and attack it from the root, you're going to keep putting out the data that puts out a program that does not function for you until it like hits the, it's like you're playing a game and then you finish the level and then you go back to the start again. You're not allowing yourself growth to take what was great, what was good to become even better. So you become like the shell, this corpse. And like, I, I talk about this a lot as well as that, that's kind of where I was. I was a shell that was just chasing this external outcome. I did eight bodybuilding comps. I did over 10 powerlifting comps. Like I just became someone who lost the real reason I got into all this. And then I lost myself in the process, but it didn't start that way. And it never starts that way. No one goes into a challenge with a thought, oh, but now I'm going to get lost in this. Oh, but now I'm going to, I'm going to get to this place and then lose the whole purpose. Like we don't go into it with, with the, with the idea in mind that we're going to fail, that there is an end, like after that end point, there is a point after that, that we need to move forward because then we just become this adrenaline junkie where we're always chasing a timeline that we lose the real purpose. And the thing is, what is the time? Like, what, what is the rush? What's the timeline? Like, the, there, there's still life. What happens after that? There is no such thing as a before and an after, unless you just drop dead after the after. Like, literally, there, like, you don't live once, you live every single day. There is no, it's not even a before. It's a, this is where you are now during, based off all of that. And then there's, during the process like everything's a procedural thing not like a beginning and an end because you literally live after that still so what happens after that are you gonna go back and do the same thing again and just keep recycling that and then not really having that drive to move forward and I feel like a lot of people when they want things yesterday they go at it with the buffet effect which is going to become a new thing because I mentioned on every podcast. <laughs> it's like you invest, let's say, $1,000 into a coach. You just invested $1,000 into a coach. You want to have every bit of every cuisine. You want to fill your plate. You want to go back for seconds. You want it all now. But it, it makes you feel good in the moment because you're getting that instant hit. But what's happening to your body in the process? It's like what you want it all now. But you can't have all of that now. Like you need to be okay with starting off slow and realizing you aren't investing in getting it all now. You aren't investing in that information. You're investing in becoming your best self. And that's what people lose. It's not about the nutrition. It's not about the food. It's not about the training. Stop telling me about that stuff when I ask you how you went. I want to know more. What happened with the life stuff? What happened with the emotions? What happened with your stress at work, your family, all this other stuff? Because that is the cherry on the cake. If we can't get this stuff in, in check in line, you are going to go on a journey to whatever, along your self-prophesized timeline, but you're going to leave behind the people, the identity, the behaviors, the habits. You're physically moving, but everything's left back there. You hit the end point. What 
Like it's almost like James Clay says, you fall to the level of your systems. You just left your default settings there still. You're physically here. Your systems are there. You haven't updated the hardware. What do you expect to happen? Like you're going to go back to how you were. That's that's going to be your reality again. And we all know that if you go back to what you were doing, it's actually going to be worse than the first time because you just lived in such a high. Now you have the negative mindset of everything that just came in this process. It's almost like when, oh, my other analogy, it's almost like when you have Spotify premium and then you listen to someone that has Spotify normal. There's that freaking ad again. Now you have all that impatience. You have all that negative, oh, but I always fail. Oh, but I always do this. It's back to where you were, but worse because there's a mind as well. I absolutely love the analogy of updating the hardware because you'll return to your default settings. You might have these short-lived at-bats of venturing out a little bit and theoretically getting the things you think you want, but you end up recoiling in a way and going back. So I'm curious, Ruby, you mentioned you did eight bodybuilding shows. At what point in that process did you start to realize, I need to update my own default settings in a way I'm not necessarily getting out of this, what I was hoping I'm kind of getting a little bit lost in this, where in that bodybuilding journey, did you experience that? And how did you actually go about updating that hardware in a way? What did that look like? I actually didn't in that journey. That, that was really? the thing I thought I did. So I finished up. I'm like, no, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do the Arnold's and then that's it. I'm going to do something else because I'm sick of obsessing over food. I'm sick of being food oriented and I'm sick of always wanting, like I used to look at what other people's news feeds had with food. They used to have the macro caps where you can macro cap your food at nighttime. And I was just so jealous of all of that. Like I'm eating like 1200 calories and I'm doing all of this work and I'm just smashing myself to the ground, doing all this drunk volume sets. I knew better. I always knew better, but I didn't do it. Like I was so caught up in this identity of no, no, no. This is the way it goes. It's almost like I almost fell into the cycle again during lockdown where it was, okay, so now that I can't train the same intensity where I was doing three days a week because I was also training for half marathons. So I went from four days to three days. But then I went up to five days because I couldn't get the same intensity. And then as soon as the gym's open, it's like, cool, I can go back to four days now. Yeah, I'm scared to go back. I'm going to stick with my five days is working for me. If I go back, I can't just do less because I'm going to report. And then I, I caught myself in the processing like three weeks later, three weeks. It took me three weeks. But it's like, no, no, I need to do four days. I'm not giving my best in these four days. But back to the story. So in that processing, I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to train to be a powerlifter. I'm going to go into strength training because that means I don't have to burn myself out anymore. I can actually focus on fueling for strength. I have a different focus. And that's when I went into the competing, but I, I finished my competing for bodybuilding in March, 2017. In August, 2017, August, 2017, I did my first powerlifting comp. Wow. So I was still chasing external outcomes, still chasing that adrenaline hit. And then I did another one in September. And then I did another one in December. And then I did another one in January. I'm like, ooh, I'm getting really strong at this. But that's because I stopped doing all the junk stuff and it actually gave me the ability to focus on strength and get stronger. And then I just competing after that. And then 
all of a sudden I got attached to the outcome and let my health deteriorate in the process because I was a junior athlete then and I was in the 56s class and the records weren't all that great. So I'm like, hmm, I need to do this right now. I'm going to smash myself into oblivion because very next year I'm not going to be a junior anymore. So I need this now. So I trashed myself. My health went to shit. That's when my hormones went shit. That's when I was training like five days a week intense. There were about six variations of deadlifts. Oh my God. Intense deadlifts <laughs> as, as a high class, like a high class athlete doing deadlifts that heavy and squats that regularly, like in a, in a week. And then I was like, no, no, I need to add in conditioning on Saturday. So five full days, six day full conditioning. So I was burning myself out, hardly eating much like literally how they're eating much it's not me not counting stuff because i know my shit after doing all that time i was not eating much burning myself out on like 1400 calories and i felt like i was getting fatter and i was because of my hormones but i had to because i had a weight class and i didn't trust my body enough to go through a diet again because i had that history of no i'm scared of diets I'm scared of starving myself because I was still fearful of everything from bodybuilding. So that came with me. And then with the power, like with that, with that, I need to keep my weight class, blah, 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 because I wanted to get the records and I got the freaking records. I still have all four of them. No one beat them yet because of lockdown. So no one's really had the chance to beat them, but it's still there. It's like, I was so busy trying to chase that external outcome. Yeah, I got them. But after that, it was like, yeah, cool. I can compete internationally now. I can win first place and win money, but I kind of became a shell because when you compete internationally, that's the only time you can win money. So there was the pro rule. I don't know whether you've heard of it, but I had the opportunity three times. I did it twice and then I, I came second the second time. And then I wanted to go for first the last time. And I was prepping for a 195 kilo deadlift, which is like 385 or something like that pounds. But anyway, I was prepping for that in the 56 kilo class. And that was going to be on a Friday. That Monday, lockdown. Oh, of the week okay. of comp. What time? Was, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. I smashed myself all the way up to there. I hated every session. That's I hated every session. I'm going to say that again. I hated every session. I found it so hard to push myself in there. I just, I physically just was always beating myself up. I felt like I was always failing when I didn't get my sets. I felt like I was failing when I couldn't get some of my reps and it became the chase of numbers. Like we were talking about before and I held my worth to that. And I remember sending a message to my coach. I can't believe that I just didn't push that up. I did not get my reps. I did not get my sets. I'm shit. I'm shit. I'm weak. I feel so shit. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? I'm going to quote that again. Like that was my self-talk. And then I'm walking on the treadmill. I'm still a coach. I'm a coach. I had that still in my head. Like it still, it still exists. And I was there. I'm walking on the treadmill. I walk on the treadmill for like an hour after every session. It's something I will never stop doing. It calms me in a way. It allows me to just like deload, use my phone and have time to myself because I don't get that at home because then I'm working and then I have a hundred things on my mind. I like that time, even though I still have a hundred things to do on my phone. Anyway, just walking on that treadmill kind of like deloaded everything. 
and it made me feel better about whatever session it was and I left it there. But the thing is, it, it still kept recurring every single time I went to the gym and that's why timelines, that's why having numbers, if that's where we put our failures and success, you're never going to enjoy the journey and you can hit whatever it is. But honestly, what, what, do, like, what does that even mean for your life? And that's actually a question I'll bring up later on that someone asked me, but that like, I realized when lockdown happened that I didn't actually have that same visualization, that same passion to lift that weight. Because I remember when I was chasing the records, I'd be terrified in a good way, sitting down like this against the wall. I actually still remember it. I was like against the wall, staring at the thing. And I visualized, I had my eyes closed, walking up to the bar, feeling the earling, tightening my mixed grip up, locking my lats, thinking about all my cues, bracing. And I would just visualize everything to the nth degree. I couldn't do that anymore by time 2019 came, which is when lockdown obviously happened. I couldn't do it anymore. Like I was struggling to push that force through. I was struggling and I felt defeated after every session. My tanked hormones probably had something to do with it because I was still, I was, I was still going. I did not give myself a freaking break from the stress, trying to make weight class, trying to do this. Like I, my body never had a break since 2016, my first comp. 2016 to 2019, all these comps, like what do you expect to happen to your body? It's then that I realized I don't know what I want anymore. Like I want my body to go this way. I want still fixated on the body. I know that if I do wads and I do conditioning and I do this, my body can look like this. And But I want to feel really fit. I know that I can upregulate my mitochondria with conditioning. I want my mitochondria to actually be better. So I'm going to do more conditioning. I'm going to do more cardio. I'm going to optimize my mitochondria. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. And I literally, like, that's what I wanted because I was still so fixated on food and not being able to eat so much. It's like, no, I want to be able to eat everything. So I did like my strength stuff, still hated the training as much because it was so smashing because lifting what I can lift with the weights and stuff, it was like upper body, lower body. It's like, cool. It was like that German body comp. I had to superset like deadlifts with bench and stuff like that, but it was exhausting still. And then I did the woods, but I actually freaking enjoyed it at the same time. So it was fun to do, but it was freaking hard. So it was a nice change. But then someone asked me a question a few months down the road that was after lockdown, by the way, once we were allowed back into the gyms. During lockdown, that's when I got challenged with doing runs because I said, I want to improve my mitochondria. Okay, Ruby, I want three kilometer runs this many times a week. So I had to do that. And my motivation was, I want to be able to get more mitochondria efficiency. So it actually worked in the end, which I'll explain. But it's the question I got asked is, okay, cool. So you can get your certain strength up to a certain point, squat a certain amount, and that's great. It helps. But after that point, what meaning does that bring your life? And if you want to relate that to a weight loss journey, if you want to relate that to whatever journey it is, it's what does this pursuit that you are after, what meaning is that giving your life? And that's what we lose in the process of chasing numbers, of chasing end dates of going in with the focus on the outcome because the outcome means nothing if the journey has no meaning. 
that's when we start to keep chasing outcomes. That's when we start to feel like an empty shell. That's when we start to struggle with motivation. When we fall into the trap of yo-yo dieting, when we fear not dieting anymore because all we're focused on is an outcome. We can't let go from that identity of weight loss, of losing weight, of chasing the number going down. Because I found that freaking hard after a while to ever leave that. And once I trusted the process of eating more food and not fearing myself gaining weight, not fearing fluctuations on the scale, well, I did, but I still did what I was told. I ate the food and my body changed. My health changed. My energy changed. My life changed. This was 2020 now. That's when I started to embrace a lot more of the whole, okay, I'm eating the food. I'm loving the food. I still didn't have a routine with the food, but it facilitated the process of actually enjoying the process, enjoying the journey. And then we went into lockdown again last year. And that's when I realized I just show up now because it's part of the journey. It makes me show up better. It gives me energy. It's the process that I'm enjoying. I don't hold my worth to numbers because when you're in the gym, it's not about what you lift. It's about how you lift it, the intention there. That's just like anything in life. You need that intention because there, like, there is no real thing about motivation. Like you need to know that you like, People aren't where they want to be because they rely on motivation. It's got nothing to do with motivation. It's just the fact that you haven't really got clear on your values, your beliefs, because you're not focusing on the journey itself and what it brings you, what it brings to your life. And a lot of people are having empty relationships, empty, empty everything. It's like empty because you're not coming from a place of being you. And the last thing I want to end on is, the confidence. The confidence is usually in doing what you said you'll do and kind of like doing the things. But if you're always flaking out on yourself, how are you ever going to build that confidence, that happiness? How are you ever going to create the momentum that you need to get you to where you need to be if you can't push through the hard? Because no one is just great off the bat. You need to be okay with failing. You need to push through the hard. People expect it to be so easy to just start. It's bloody not. Like you just need to take that first step and just do it. Like waking up at 5 a.m., I can't do it, so I sleep through the alarm. Well, just wake up. But it's not that easy. Just wake up. Like sometimes you actually just need to freaking wake up and start your day and keep doing that hard thing because you are never going to build that confidence in yourself. Like sometimes you really can't smooth talk it any other way. Like just freaking wake up. Like you can ask questions around it. Like how is not waking up and sleeping and impacting the rest of your life? Well, then I'm out of routine. Then I'm late for this and I'm late for that. And then I'm always feeling like I'm crushed on time. And then I have to do my workout after work. And then I'm drained. Or then I have excuses and then I don't do my workout. And then I sleep late because I'm too busy ruminating on blah, blah, blah. Or I had no energy during the day because I felt like shit during the day. And it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy cycle that's, in the negative direction because you're creating that for yourself because you can't just do the hard thing and force yourself to do the hard thing. Like sometimes there is no easy way around it. You just need to create that momentum. And until you do that hard thing, you are never going to even believe it's possible. Like I, 
I don't, I wish I could say it's hard to wake up in the morning, but it's actually not. Like it, I was, I was telling Sam before the call that I slept like four hours. I didn't want to wake up this morning, but I don't know any other way than to just freaking wake up before five o'clock because I will never be up. Like I cannot fathom the idea of sleeping in past 6am. Like 6am is the absolute latest. I'll let myself sleep in, which to me is a massive sleep in. Like, it's just what I do. Like, I want to wake up early. Why do you want to wake up early? Because I can actually just breathe a little and do some stuff. Even if I'm not doing much, I just like the idea of waking up early and having that little pocket of time to myself. Like, why do you want to do this? Like, actually figure it out. But if you don't pause and sit with yourself, what does that timeline mean anyway? What does that goal mean anyway? You haven't given it meaning. And this is why I put up that reel. I think I tagged you in it because it's so freaking important. So many coaches aren't freaking coaches. They are freaking like plan givers. They don't dig into this stuff. They don't figure out what is driving you, what's doing this, what's doing this. So they give you a plan. They make you lose weight. Cool. That's all nice. It might last a few months, maybe a year if you're lucky, but then what? Then what? Because life kind of happens and shit happens. Like, it's not all about losing weight. It shouldn't even be about losing weight. That's just a side effect. The goal isn't to lose weight. That's, that's, that's the process to get to the goal. The goal is to be confident. The goal is to show up better. The goal is to have better relationships. The goal is to stop feeling so shit because you're living like a bird. Losing weight and actually building your body and eating as much as you can while losing weight makes you feel empowered because you're not starving yourself to a goal because you think that's the way that was so long no that's great there's so many lessons in there but one that i really want to reinforce because i think it's so overlooked by a lot of people is the idea of if your goal is almost entirely outcome based whether it's i want to deadlift this weight by this time whether it's i I, i'm a failure unless i've lost 50 pounds whatever the case may be having that outcome-based goal on a pedestal is what I consider to be extremely high risk and that it's technically out of our control. So we're putting all of this stock in something that we can't actually control whether or not we achieve even weight loss. You know, we can't control no matter how perfectly we eat today. We can't control what the scale is going to show up as tomorrow, what the reading is going to be. In your case with the powerlifting meat, technically speaking, that meat was out of your control. Yes, it was because of a pandemic and that's highly unique, but God forbid, maybe you have an injury that stopped you prior to reaching a specific deadlift goal. So if you're placing all of the stock in something that can technically be taken from you or that you can't guarantee that you'll experience, again, I consider it to be extremely high risk you're almost certainly setting yourself up for failure. Whereas if you do the opposite, what you mentioned, Ruby, focus significantly more on what the process is getting you, which is likely a lot of what you thought the outcome would get you. Let's say weight loss specifically, you think, oh, when I lose 47 and a half pounds and reach this specific number, my quote unquote goal weight, then I'll be more confident, then I'll be happier, whatever. But if you focus more on the process and wake up when you said you were going to wake up, if you get the workouts in that you said you were going to, if you trust the process nutritionally and commit to that plan, you feel damn good about yourself. You feel more confident. You feel in a rhythm. You feel healthier. You feel higher energy. And that's all of the stuff that you thought reaching the specific goal weight was going to get you. So I do want to reinforce that because I think that's such a powerful reframe and lesson of having something that is strictly outcome-based 
is fairly risky. Whereas if you're able to pivot a little bit and say, what am I actually getting out of this process that you can control? Because you can always control whether or not you follow through with what you said you were going to do. You can always control your effort, even if the outcome fluctuates. So I absolutely love that you shared that. that that's the thing, because if all you do is strive for this endpoint and think that you'll be happy when, how can you be happy when? When you weren't happy in the process, you're going to have resentment in the process. Like it's going to be a resentful thing. Just like when someone says that they're a stay at home mom and that this is just a fresh conversation in my head because I had it yesterday with someone. I'm like, you're not a freaking stay at home mom. You're this person who is a whole person who has kids. Because if that's what you identify with, then you're going to have resentment for being a stay at home mom. You're going to have resentment because you're giving so much of yourself that you aren't able to give to yourself. And then you wonder why you keep self-sabotaging. You wonder why you eat chocolate by the blocks on the weekend. You wonder why you have the donut all the time. Yes, it has a lot to do with your view around food, your view around good and bad foods, because that has most to do with the thing. But it's because you haven't given yourself the space or the time to actually figure out what it is you need to do in the process. And it's almost like when someone is so obsessed with scale weight, you do realize that, especially if you have a coach, if you're just doing the actions with 100% effort, I'll touch on that in a second, doing it with 100% effort, you're going to get the outcome regardless, but you're going to get so much more with that because you're going to get confidence in the process. You're going to learn your body a lot more. But if you let what the scouse says every morning determine how you feel about your body, determine what your body feels, which a lot of us do, oh, it's almost like, it's almost like with the smartwatches when it says you had a bad night's sleep. I didn't even check what my watch said today. I don't even want to know. I don't want it to impact my 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 attitude anymore. <laughs> Can I interject here real quick just about the uh, the watches just while I have this thought? Uh, tying it back into what you mentioned about having the outcome be the thing that drives you. And when you could no longer compete, all of a sudden that deadlift wasn't something that pushed you because I see so many people where I truly question and I've had honest conversations with the clients about if this watch wasn't giving you this feedback saying, well, you need to move more or you just beat your your cousin in the step challenge for the day, would you still walk? What are you getting outside of this walk besides, you know, your phone or your phone, your watch is flashing or something like that. So I'm so glad you mentioned that as well, because I think that's a perfect example of somebody who may not feel like they're outcome driven. Well, if you weren't using my fitness pal, would you still eat enough protein? And if you weren't using your watch, would you still get steps in? And if you couldn't necessarily track the progressions on a lift or guarantee that you could lift a certain weight would you still be training hard so i'm sorry to interject but yeah I, 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 yeah not like that because that brings us back to the default settings mm-hmm. you need to actually figure out what freaking parts of the settings and the cogs and stuff that need work that need oiling because if you're not updating them in the process you don't even know how to maintain it in the end like i said you don't die after an afterburner <laughs> yeah i'm sorry guys i'm very animated but you don't die after an after an afterburner. Like you need to figure out what it is that you need to do to maintain that. And that is why I friggin' 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 hate even just the personal training aspect because it doesn't look outside of that hour. And people think that that hour is everything, but it's really not because like you can smash yourself and sweat yourselves out and do whatever in that hour. And then like I used to do, flop in bed drained as hell trying to get steps in every day but walking like this with no body language 
I'm, I'm extremely animated right now because I'm on like 3000 calories. So I'm full of energy. Like my body just wants to move. I can't sit down for long periods of time. Like, especially in the morning, I get a lot of my activity and exhausting myself done in the morning so I can actually sit still for a while. Like I'm an animated person and this stuff is a lot more energy throughout the whole day that you do over a whole day than you do in the gym. Like you need to realize the lessons in this. You need to get coached in the process. And like I said, stop a, stop doing the buffet and take what you need. Get the most out of the least and then build upon that. Because if you're trying to demand everything, if you're saying, I still need to go back to the effort piece, but you just brought up such a great thing there. But it's almost like when you're, I hate this with clients. It's like my biggest pain. How are you going? How's this? How did you go this week? I just get reports on, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's good. I stuck to it. Yeah, food's this. Nah, I binged here. Like, I don't give a shit. I'm not asking you about your food and training. Like your app tells me that. I'm asking, how are you? I want to know about the lifestyle. I want to know about everything else. That's the shit that's important because that is what makes your life purposeful, meaningful, and it helps with everything else because if you're emotionally eating, if you're self-talk and all that kind of stuff there isn't looked after if you don't have structure in your day if something happens as a minor blip we kind of don't really need to talk about nutrition and training because they're gonna get affected anyway like you need to look outside of that and back to what i was saying about the effort piece if you're putting in 100 percent effort every day you're gonna get the outcomes plus more because you learn yourself in the process and like i was saying about the watch thing it's just like if you're just going to look at these metrics on your watch, on the scales, and let that dictate how you feel about yourself, how about the day, you're losing touch with yourself and you're going to find it harder to maintain any results. You're going to find it harder to maintain motivation because everything is number-driven, everything is outcome-driven until something happens to throw you off track and now your identity goes down the toilet. And back to the effort. 100% effort looks different every day. Like I had this conversation. I'm so glad that she's my cousin because I got to just like lay it out to her. My cousin's one of my clients. <laughs> she's just like, I'm just in survival mode right now. I'm like, no, no, you're not. You just feel like you're in survival mode because what you're comparing it against is the fact of you trying to be 100% perfect. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's actually true. I'm like, yeah, I just expect myself to be perfect all the time. Yeah, well, is that realistic right now? Like, are you wearing yourself out of it more? Are you draining more energy? Are you making yourself feel more hopeless and wanting to give up because you can't be perfect? Trying to hold yourself up to this perfection, this 100% effort means I'm perfect, is what is holding you back. Your effort that is 100% looks different every day. I said this to one of my girls as well because she pulled her back just literally moving. She's like, yeah, today's going to be another myth day of not much. Haven't really done much. No achievements. I'm like, huh? Huh? It's not going to be another write-off. Like, you still have your food to focus on. You still have movement to focus on. You still have your mindset to focus on. Like, it's all a part of the process. It's not a step back. It's part of the process. And that's why, back to the whole topic of this timeline thing, if everything is about timelines and reaching certain like certain necks on the road, you're leaving that behind. And when you leave that behind, it, it gets harder. Like it honestly gets harder. It's like, yeah, but I don't feel like doing this. 
yeah, now I failed. Meh, meh. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to do another detox. Or like that's that's when we fall to either side of the extremes. And to bring up the stupid whole like just you can you can eat, you actually put this post up before I'm staring at it. You can eat whatever you want whilst you're losing fat. That's when you start to just chase these nuanced, like they're nuanced topics, but you just see it as like, yeah, I can eat whatever I want to lose fat. And then you start to eat. Ooh, a donut. Mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. now I'm craving more donuts. I'm going to eat more donuts. And then you just fall into this rabbit loop of, I keep self-sabotaging. You need to come at it from a place of, why am I doing this? What is something that is sustainable? Knowing that you can eat whatever, but should you? Like, it's it's a whole encompassing thing that when it is defined or confined by a timeline, you don't leave much would you rather walk on a tightrope or walk on a big road like that is the, that is what a timeline is <laughs> so, so many great analogies and quotes there and one that i want to yet again re-emphasize because i think it's so powerful and so many people need this stamped at the top of their program is that 100 effort looks a little bit different every single day because and this kind of ties into the idea of if somebody does have that donut they say i was off track yesterday but i'm gonna get I'm like wait a minute wait why is everything but this theoretical level of perfection inherently off track so say you did have the donut why is that not on track why can't that be I, I made a mindful decision i chose to have a donut i didn't feel bad about it it actually gave me some great energy for my workout that's part of you know it's not this binary if you do these things it's perfect and you're awesome and it's fantastic and if you do th- these things you're completely failing and an analogy that i like to give my clients um you know to touch upon that 100 percent effort looks different every day is what i call the ladder analogy now most people when they go and they're approaching this ladder they're only looking at this top rung And this top rung is planning your nutrition, weighing your portions, crushing your workouts, going to bed at nine o'clock, doing hours of meditation, and people scurry up there when they're motivated. And the second life throws them a curveball, whether it's a minor injury in the gym, whether work gets crazy, instead of just climbing down a couple of rungs, and because that's the best effort you can put in that day, they just jump off the top of the ladder and wait until they're motivated, until it's quote unquote, a good time to fully commit. And then they try to rush back up the ladder. Whereas my goal with any client is, all right, right now you're at this top rung and this is what 100% effort looks like for you for now. Cause this season of life maybe lends itself to that, but say you do have, you know, you tweak your back when you're doing something, say, you know, work does get a little chaotic. I'm going to show you how to climb down two or three rungs, hang out there, stand your ground a little bit, do the best you can on that given day or in that season of life. And then if, and when the situation calls for it, you can kind of ramp back up. So again, I, so many lessons in there, Ruby, so many things that are so powerful, but being that your 100% effort, looks a little bit different every day, I think is one of the biggest takeaways that somebody could get from this. I want to, there's so much to say about the ladder analogy. So there's another thing to think about when climbing up a ladder. There's two different ladders for like two different things I want to talk about. One is the ladder with massive rungs. Like when we want to make massive improvements, it's really hard to grip onto those and climb up. And then there's the one with the little rungs that are so much easier they seem so minor. It's like, yeah, I'm only, I'm only moving like one centimeter. What's the point? Um, a lot because you can accomplish a lot more than spending like six months trying to climb your way up the side of one to try and get to the first rung versus just like climbing up that one. But the other thing a lot of people don't realize is that 
you come to any ladder with a baggage from the past. So it's that the the amount of shit bricks, yes, shit bricks, <laughs> the amount of shit bricks in your backpack can weigh you down either way. And if you have a shitload in there, it makes either one of those harder. It makes this one a lot more harder, but it still makes like them that. harder. I'm going to have to steal those and write an entire article on this ladder thing. I love those. It, uh, it's the analogy I use for everything. Like this is like the thing that I, I'm, I'm very visual. I, here's a, here's a little admission to everyone. I hate reading. I struggle to read. I, I read like one paragraph. Whenever I'm liking people's things on Instagram, I don't read them. I just look at them and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty. Like that. Like I'm not a reader. I need stuff that's visual. And I create my stuff. I'm very good at writing stuff sometimes, sometimes if I have a visual on it. But then that's when I can't, like, I can't do brevity because I work on visuals and then visuals give me a whole heap to say. But it's like, actually visualize that. Like you have a big baggage. It's going to make either word harder, but it's going to make that one a lot harder. The one with the wider rungs. But regardless, you need to recognize and acknowledge that you need to actually sit down with yourself and accept your feelings. And no one wants to do that because it's uncomfortable. And you're going to keep running like a hamster wheel, getting yourself exhausted, literally exhausting yourself to burnout that you lose yourself in the process. And you know, when you're running really, really fast, you're getting spun around really, really fast. I never think of analogies until I do podcasts. So I need to start listening to my podcast over and do yeah, all my own analogies. Like, all my analogies are like, I forget them once I say them, but if you run so fast or you spin around so fast once you get off, you're dizzy and you, you lose your orientation. It's the same thing. You lose yourself in the process because all you've been doing is chasing this deadline. Okay, now what do I do? I don't know what to do anymore. I'm like stuck in glue. I'm in super glue. Yeah, you're stuck. And that's where everyone stays because they're not willing to do the work. It's almost like you're stuck in super glue and you keep trying to move instead of just letting it sit. Like literally just staying and figuring out the next step instead of fighting it all the time. It's almost, I actually made this analogy. I have it on a Canva. I need to post it somewhere. It's like Ooblek. You know when you, you know Ooblek? I don't think so. It's like that goo that if you keep trying to like punch it, it's hard rock. Yes, actually. I don't know it. Goo black is like this goo. And the harder you punch it or the more you try to like push through it. I only know because I did this in a science experiment when I was in like year three because they used to pick 10 people from every school to go into university to do these really cool science stuff. I was one of them. I'm so special. But I just, I don't know. I just love, I just love this science class I remember. So you had to like play with goo black. And you had to be patient with it to actually be able to penetrate it and to like ease it. Mm-hmm. So it's like hard and cement when you put a lot of force in it. But if you ease into it, it like relaxes and you can actually push your finger into it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that when you keep trying to force something. And if you keep trying to force yourself to move without actually just like easing into it, you're going to keep fighting resistance. And there is always going to be resistance along the way. It's just that people don't want to accept how uncomfortable that resistance is. So you let it defeat you. You give up. You just keep trying to fight harder by doing stuff. And this is where the procrastination, the overwhelming anxiety comes in. Because instead of actually doing what we need to do, we keep just adding shit on and distracting ourselves 
with stuff that we're already good at. Like, cool. Okay. I'm not comfortable here. I'm just going to go and do this instead because I'm good at that. I'm going to do this instead. I'm just going to scroll social media because that's really easy to do. We start to just do all the easy stuff and leave the hard stuff there that everything just accumulates. And then we can lose ourselves in the process there. We wonder why we're not good enough. We wonder why we're not good at anything, why we're overwhelmed. And then I can relate to this too, but I'm so like, I, I'm so aware of it that I can, it's like, I'm okay with it because I'm aware of it. It's like, you can actually start to pick on your body more, hate your body more, realize so many more negative things about your body because you're not in control of what you're doing. You're not in control of your actions and you're not working. Like I said, confidence is doing the things you need to do to get to where you want to be. It's actually doing the shit. And it's almost like when your identity is the gym and then there's lockdown, it's like, well, I'm not really in control right now. Things are kind of really hectic or something might happen and you can't control your food. And then when you can't control your food, it's just like, yeah, my belly's really bad. Yeah, I'm feeling really fat. Yeah, I'm feeling really small. Like all these kind of stuff like that, that exacerbates. You start to notice using a client's example, you start to notice your cellulite more. You start to hate more parts of your body. Yeah, well, how consistent have you been with the things you need to do? Oh, well, I haven't been able to train in three weeks because my kids had this, my kids had that, I did this. You start to blame all these external things. Like it's also that ownership element. It's realizing that you need to work on this baggage stuff because it's not really where you are right now. That's the issue. It's that you haven't really figured out why you keep repeating those behaviors. I swear we're going to need two podcasts. We're yeah, gonna- I'm thinking that right now. <laughs> I'm thinking that right now. I'm like, we're going to have to reschedule my one because I'm like, this. what you want to say? It's like, I want to repost this on my one as well. And then we can do my one later. But honestly, it's if you don't dig into the why of why you keep self-sabotaging, if you don't real, because I'm going to use this client as an example, because if you don't feel like you're worthy enough, if you feel like you're going to always fail, oh, but you keep falling into these relationships, the same type of narcissistic personality because they make you feel good enough until they don't. They make you feel like you have your support. They encourage you until they don't. But you can't do that for yourself. So you look for that from an external source. And I know because that was me. And I fell into, I'll say two, there's only two that I remember that were the worst, two extremely horrible relationships. It was cool at first. And I just, I just, I just stayed with it because it was comfortable. And that's what we do. But they were horrible. But it was because that's where I felt like I was being hurt, being paid attention to. And it's funny that it's now that I realized after this past lockdown, and I've grown through the process. It's also realizing that, yeah, you can fail. You can slip up. You need to actually fail. You need to actually slip up. And they're not steps backwards. People need to stop saying it's true. I hate that saying, two steps forward, one step back. Because no, it's not. It actually irks, like, it grinds my gears. It's the one thing that's like, no, you are not doing a step back. You are moving forward. You just learned something you just failed which is actually part of it you know there is no step back like it's only a step back if that's what you call it it's I took two steps forward and now there's something that's a hurdle and I need to get over this hurdle but it's not a step back because you're not going backwards north is north you're still facing forwards like you're mentally going forwards just because your body's not coming along it's it's two steps forward physically and mentally and then another step forward just mentally, maybe not physically. Mm-hmm. Like, see it that way. People need to stop speaking in terms of I'm going backwards or I'm slipping 
because verbiage matters. Your words are powerful. And what's your conversation called? I mean, what's your podcast called? Transformation Talks. Because yeah, it's it's the it's it's about the transformation, it's about the talking, it's about the wordage, it's about listening. Oh, I can't remember if I said if I've said this to you before, but it's so powerful. It's I heard this on a podcast actually. If you want to learn from people that have been successful, people that have already been there, maybe instead of listening to that hour of Netflix or whatever it is, you listen to an hour of them talking on a podcast. You listen to an hour of how their thoughts work. You listen to an hour of their struggles. There's a podcast called High Performance Podcast. I've only listened to one episode on it, but I listened to someone talk about it on a different podcast. And it's like, yeah, but the high performers... It's not about learning how to be an athlete, learning how to be these people. It's that podcast is about people that have been through the struggles, the way they failed and overcame it to become a high performer because you can't perform highly without rest, without recovery, without failure, without feedback. You can't be a high performer without also being a high performer in the relaxation area because otherwise that's when the burnout happens. It's just that we all function at different levels in terms of what does relaxation mean for one person because we all have this, we all have 24 hours in a day, but none of those hours are the same for a single person. Yes, it's 24 hours, but it's different for every single person. But you can always make the most of those 24 hours. And yes, sometimes it comes condensed. Like sometimes I mentioned this to one of my friends the other day. I'm like, I have so much physical energy that I can use it all the time. Like I can't nap during the day. I have, like you can tell, I have a lot of physical energy, but my mental energy doesn't always come with it. So when I have a lot of, like when I don't have any time and I have a lot of mental capacity to do stuff, I'm go, go, go. But then there are also times, this is actually really important for you guys to listen to. There are also times where I have that physical energy and there's just so much I want to do, but my mental state, just cannot even think about the next step. I hit that point and that is the thing. You can either let that crush you or do the best that you can in that moment, bringing it back to that 100% effort. My 100% effort in this moment looks different. I can either keep pushing it and just feel even worse or I can find something else that I can give my best at, which may be just lying down looking for something else that is pretty productive or just chilling the fuck out like there are two different things I can do like I can the example I'll use was yesterday I'm like hmm the first thing I started to do was I wanted to look for reels like real real audios and think of like ideas but with my ADHD I got distracted and about five minutes into looking for audio reels I ended up just putting on a podcast and then looking I'm getting distracted like oh this is good listen to a little bit of a podcast and then I got about three minutes in, paused it. I wrote about two pages worth of notes and like play a little bit more. 30 seconds went, oh, that's good. And then I got distracted, picked up my phone, saw, saw something on Instagram. Oh, that's good. Put my phone down, wrote a whole shit load more of that. I'm like, well, I wasn't really productive in that direction, but I was still productive in that direction. It's like, there are so many different things. People, this is back to the timeline thing, back to the scales outcome focus thing. If you're so focused on that, that thing that I just did in bed means nothing because it's not this number. It's not chasing this number. 
So now I failed. What good am I? I'm not good enough. I did a shitload, but it's not chasing this number. It's not in that direction. But I did this much. Like that's the that's the conversation we have with ourselves that we don't let ourselves have with ourselves. Like there is this thing, but what is that bringing you? That kind of brought me the same thing. If anything, that brought me more because that's authentic. That is much more authentic. That is my story triggered because a lot of my stuff is, ooh, I like that post. Let's write on it. And then I write my own whole context around that because, like I said, I'm a visual person. I need visual stuff as stimulus for my thoughts. And then I can just go down tangents of all sorts. And that's why one of, one of my favourite tattoos on my body took me, like, an, a whole year to create because I like giving meaning through visuals. And that's exactly what we need to do for ourselves. That's the reason I brought that up. I have a tattoo that has a hundred elements pretty much to it. Like there are so many elements to this thing, but we don't give ourselves that same grace of visualizing the person we want to become. So it could just be, oh, I just want to tattoo on my arm of, this isn't a feather, by the way. There's something on my arm that isn't a feather. I could just say, oh, I just, everyone's getting feathers. Everyone's, everyone's on this program. Everyone's doing this. Everyone's getting feathers. Let's just slap a feather. Let's just slap an infinity sign. Blah. But it doesn't have meaning. What, like, you might even get sick of it because it doesn't have meaning. You might just be like, now it just looks like trash on my arm. Like, you could say whatever about it because it didn't have meaning. You just wanted to follow the crap. You need to visualize that person you want to become. You need to give meaning to your journey because then it doesn't matter if you slip up. It doesn't matter if you don't hit a certain timeline thing because every single day is, like I said, you live every single day. And like what got you from a, like if you look at me now compared to me before, I had, I probably, I did have a lot more muscle back then as well. But if you look at my body composition and the amount of food I eat now, given that I have a walking desk, so I kind of walk more than I ever used to walk. <laughs> but <laughs> if you look at that, it's just like I kind of look the same, but I look different. But the thing is, I didn't get from A to B. There are all these points in between. There, there were really no points along the timeline. It's just you at different points of time in life continuously focusing on. So I've always been a high achiever in air quotations before I started the whole fitness thing, I was into nightclubs. And straight away, I'm like, hmm, I want to become a promoter. Hmm, I wonder what I can do to suck up suck up his ass and become the manager of all the promoters. Before I knew it, I was a manager of all the promoters. <laughs> and then I used to have, like, every now and then we used to, like, sit down for tea and stuff together. And then we had, like, this little discussion once. And this stuck with me. And I want everyone else to take it with them. Can I? C-A-N-I, constant and never-ending improvements. That is your life, constant and never-ending improvements. They look different every day and they're in different dimensions. Back to my analogy on the bed. They're a different, it's almost like when people say they're plateaued. You didn't plateau. Maybe the weight in the gym isn't going up, but why are you only looking in one direction? My saying is always zoom the fuck out, like literally zoom the fuck out because you're focusing on one puzzle piece that you're missing the entire picture, which is your life. 
That's the pretty stuff. The pretty stuff is the, is the actual puzzle. The puzzle piece is meaningless without the puzzle. The puzzle piece is meaningless without the other pieces. Your weight loss journey is meaningless without the things that bring you happiness and value. And I have this, I'm having this conversation with someone right now and it grinds my gears as well. It's like, what makes you happy? The gym. Yeah, cool. What outside of the gym? We don't want to talk food and exercise right now. Why can't the gym make me happy? I never said it can't. What else makes you happy? There is no happiness. Like, no wonder you have anxiety. No wonder you're obsessing over everything. No wonder you're getting down on yourself. No wonder you're so obsessed with the littlest, tiniest things that have no freaking meaning right now. And no wonder you're struggling to even accept yourself because there is no meaning to your life. You need to look outside of that to find something that makes that pursuit in the gym have any meaning because what's the whole point otherwise? I want to tie. No, no, no. That's, that's great. Again, wonderful lessons in there. And I want to tie it back to something that you mentioned the very beginning of the podcast, which is that a lot of people, when they make an investment in a coach, associate the value of that and correlate the value of that with from hiring a coach and the scale, the scale becomes everything or body fat percentage or measurements. And I am not extracting the value that I need to from this interaction. If I'm not seeing this consistent downward trend in those things. And I've had people reach out and I told them, Hey, you're not in a place where dieting really makes sense right now. Well, then why would I work with a coach? And there's this very tit for tat dollar spent pounds lost type thing. Excuse me. And the reason I bring that up is because so many, if like 95% of the wins that you're mentioning, mentioning 95% of these areas for progress and these mental transformations that you can make, you rid yourself of the opportunity to experience all of those things. If you think that the only thing that you can get out of working with a coach or participating in a program or signing up for something is this specific outcome. Because in a lot of cases, I think you called it a, a ship bricks in your bag or something as you're, <laughs> yeah. you know, as you're approaching this ladder is, yeah, we could theoretically throw you into the diet or try to get the scale to move or try to get the pounds up in the gym. But you know, to go with another analogy, I liken this too. If you come to me and you're driving in your car and every check engine light is flashing, hey, we need to address this. Hey, we need to address this. It would be irresponsible of us to not tackle that stuff first before we work on, you know, whatever this outcome based goal is that you want to address. So, again, to tie it back to earlier, if the only thing that you think you were getting out of a program or working with a coach, whatever the case is, is pounds lost or maybe weight going up in the gym, you're not going to give yourself the opportunity to work on all the other stuff that's going to lay the foundation for a much more sustainable transformation. And honestly, much more enjoyable. Because if the only thing that's bringing you happiness, it's kind of like the idea, you know, the gym is my therapy. It's, it can be therapeutic. It shouldn't be a replacement for therapy or the things that can make you happy or all these things. So I uh, apparently feel equally as strongly about this as you do, Ruby. I... I feel like I could talk to you forever. My God, I, I love that part that I love that part that you just mentioned as well, because the thing is you may, it's almost like that food thing, just because you can lose weight doesn't mean you should right now. Like you need to look at where you're at and meet where you're at. And if you haven't yet healed, for example, your relationship with food, you're going to make the process that much harder. And it's almost like having a phone running off 10% battery. I don't know about your phone, but my phone usually goes into power saving mode as soon as it hits 10%. That's when the screen goes dull. That's when the back 
background apps turn off. My phone isn't functioning properly. Sometimes the Wi-Fi starts giving out because it doesn't have enough energy to give it give me to do what I need to do. And then I start becoming a lot more careful with the way I use my phone if I'm not close to a charger. And it if all you do is focus on one area of progress, you are missing out on so much. What does progress mean to you? If progress is just on the scale, you need to realize the scale isn't going to keep moving down. The scale isn't going to keep blurting out a number that you're happy with. Then what? And women in particular, because of your menstrual cycle. Women in particular, because your menstrual cycle kind of screws with your hormones and your mood sometimes. And that impacts how you feel about your body. And then if you step on the scale and you already feel shit about your body, well, then what are you going to do? Like eat a whole packet of Doritos. I usually say Oreos. I don't know where Doritos came from. (laughs) But your thoughts are based off your beliefs, your past beliefs, your old default settings that are not working. And it's kind of like that car where that is your it's it's almost like that is what you're going back to like if you're not going to fix the systems how long do you expect that car to go for and if you keep driving it further and further out of town or whatever you call it over there we call it the city here if you keep falling it like pushing it further and further out of the city you're gonna kind of end up in a place where there aren't many mechanics that know what to do to fix your car so then what do you do Ooh detox diet on the side of the road and it's unspecial like you start to <laughs> you start to like actually cling to these things that promise hope they might like wipe it off the dashboard for a second but then what or it might be like just giving your car a wax job that hasn't fixed anything on the inside so you need to and then the thing that also throws a lot of people off is that there's a lot of people saying really good stuff but then they fall a little bit into the holistic side a little bit too much or they fall into treating you like a princess too much make you feel like you need to do all these little things it's just like uh, no like you need your hormones are whacked up because your lifestyle is shit and because you have check engine lights on it's got nothing to do with your hormones it's because you were so stubborn to go and see mechanic z when you were in the town, that you just drove your car all the way that way and just gave yourself more mileage on the car. And now you're far away. And now you're going to do something stupid and <laughs> put even more of a tax on your car. And then you're going to try and drive it a little bit more. And then what? It's not your hormones. It's your lifestyle. It's your attitude. It's your approach. You're not broken. But your thinking is. Like, you need to change that thing- thinking. If you're going to go, like, coaches, you can sign up with a coach and get nowhere. If you're approaching with the same mindset that you started, oh, I'm just going to sign up to this and just like want to lose weight now. But you're, that, that, that's the exact mindset that kept you stuck. Mm-hmm. So don't you think you need to change the mindset to change the results? Because nothing changes if nothing changes. Just because you've got a coach doesn't mean they can just work their magic. You need to change your mindset when you approach a coach and work with them on that. Because... Focusing on just that scale, focusing on just that outcome, focusing on whatever it is, what's the process to get you there? Because if you double down on the process, the outcome will come anyway. If you double down on every single little habit step, 
that will come anyway. And honestly, like coaches are not just for weight loss. And I really want to reiterate that. And I think this will actually be a good topic for us to talk about on my one, because that's where everybody fails. If that's all you see a coach as, oh, cool, I lost the weight. Bye. Okay, well, anyone can lose weight. And how are you going to maintain it? Like, yeah, even if the coach was really good and taught you the habits and shit to lose weight, that's not the same as maintaining it. And that's not the same as building upon yourself. That is not the same as learning how to get the most out of bringing your body into maintenance and how to work there. I should, I always reckon that people should work with coaches for at least two to three years, beginners even longer, because there are so much more to learn. There are so many more phases to go through. And it's not a cost, it's an investment because what's the price to pay for signing up for weight loss and then going through the same cycles a hundred times and falling for Jenny Doe down the road, who's selling mangoes, aka detox, instead of just getting the most out of while you're in the city and around abundance, around learning all these different things and becoming your best self. Because it's not just how you, it's not just what you eat, it's how you eat, why you eat. Food is emotional. It's about learning how to enjoy events. It's about learning how to become a lot more flexible with structure because even though I have this freedom now after everything I've went through I would like to say I track my food every single day but I don't need to because I eat the same thing every single day I track my food once and I just copy it across every day whenever I have whenever I bother if I want to change my food then I track it and then copy that across sometimes I log in and I'm like shit I didn't copy it across the last three days but I've literally eaten the same thing because I created something for myself that works. And I know if I don't feel like eating potato one day, I know how much rice to swap it for, how much bread to swap it for. Like I have the same food every day, but then twice I swap my bread for potato because I wanted a bigger meal. Like I know how much potato to swap for the bread, but if I didn't, all I had to do was log in and change the bread for the potato. Like shit isn't as hard once you've been doing it for long enough. But if you're only outcome driven, you lose all that. You don't even focus on all that because you don't see the purpose in it. It's just, I want to lose weight. I'm watching the scale go down. Cool. Or you might make the stupidest mistake ever and think, oh, there's so much food on my plan. Let's just skip the carbs here. Let's skip the fats there. Let's skip the carbs there. I'll get my results faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until you go and eat the whole pack of dairy milk on the weekend. Ruby, you and I are going to have to do an entire episode on getting the most out of a coaching investment besides just weight loss, addressing relationship with food, macro hoarding. Like there's, there's a lot for us to talk about, but the last thing I actually have for you today is something I call the fast five. So five rapid fire questions that have nothing to do with fitness. Uh, just whatever the first answer is to come to mind. If you're ready for the first one, Mm -hmm. what would you be doing if you were not a coach? That one, uh, see, if I wasn't actually doing the physical coaching, I'd want to be a speaker on it just because I like speaking and just because I love making an impact. Like it coaching, it's almost like weight loss being part of the journey to an outcome. Coaching is part of the journey to the outcome of impacting lives, changing lives, giving people another shot at life. 
So anything I can do to do that through speaking, through doing something where I can use my strengths, which is my my speaking, my just talking to people, creating relationships, because that's something I find as well is when I have a conversation, when I have a podcast, I'm drained after it because I put my energy into that and I love doing it. I love people. Like people are my thing. And it's almost like when people shun social media, I love it. I love the connections. Yes, it stresses me out because I'm always thinking about, oh, I need to post something today. But if I don't post something in the morning, I can always post it at night because that's like that. the outcome is let's just post in the morning. The outcome is let's just post once a day something that I've already planned on the weekend, which is what I usually do. Because I know that when I actually put my focus into planning my social media content, it has purpose behind it. So I somehow related to the thing before. It's like, why are you doing what you do? There needs to be purpose behind it. It doesn't, you always, you don't need to be in the same car. You can use a van, you can use a truck, but you're still going to get to the same destination of making an impact. I love our commitment to analogies here. <laughs> this is wonderful. I, I, I can't not have, that was long because I always yeah, want to have an analogy. Okay. I'm curious, what is your favorite recent purchase? Can it be an investment? Sure, sure. <laughs> I recently got a mentor and it's almost half my paycheck, literally almost half my paycheck, but it's already given me so much in terms of ways that I think and I like having different ways to think, different ways of processing things and different ways of seeing things because I feel like that's a superpower because if you only think in black and white or if you only think in Unicode, you miss out on so much of the picture. It's almost like that puzzle piece of the picture. Sure. I do think there's something to be said and there's obviously a level of financial privilege in the, you know, this conversation, but something to be said for investing just enough to make you a little uncomfortable. And I don't know if you're familiar with planet fitness by any chance. Yeah. It's so $10 a month membership. So I think it's the biggest gym in the U S but 95%, if not more of their members don't actually go whatsoever. And it's because the $10 isn't enough to get them to move the needle. So I'm not sitting here saying you have to spend $2 million on a coach or program or gym membership, but just enough where you feel like, all right, I want to get the most bang for my buck here. So I'm, yeah, go ahead. Cost of inaction though. So if you like, you're okay, you may, but also with like financial privilege or not, it might be half your paycheck. It might be three quarters of your paycheck, but what's the cost of inaction? Mm-hmm. The cost of inaction isn't just financial. It's mental, it's physical, it's relationship and all, it's career and all. Sorry, I just need to add the and all yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all of these other things as well. And then if you also think about the cost in the future, what is greater? You need to get really clear on that because that's what stops a lot of people from taking action to get a coach because they think so short term. And for me, I was like, that, that actually is really freaking uncomfortable especially because American dollars made it. That's why so much because she's in America, but I'm Australian guys. Just so you know, I thought (laughs) I should, I should just say that Australia has the worst bills right now, but anyway, (laughs) it's probably why I'm so animated. I don't know, but it's like, that's it. Like, that's why I keep bringing up this animation. Like you need to have fun with what you do. You need to actually go through, you need to go into anything with effort, with love, with purpose, because then you're not going to enjoy it. Like, even if you're not excited about something, like, yeah, okay, there, there could be negatives to it, but 
if it's in the direction of the person you want to be and you're really clear on the like you're really clear on that vision like i mentioned about the visualization of i need to lift that deadlift i need to squat that squat whatever it is for you whatever that visualization is if it's strong enough you should force positivity into it because it makes it that much likely of something that's going to be accomplished it makes you enjoy it more it makes you sustain it more and it's just a process that isn't a chore i love that ruby one meal forever <laughs> if you could eat absolutely anything what would you get well out of my meals and then i'll say another one out of my meals i am obsessed with my tuna bake i've eaten it since the start of last year literally the start of last year i have not changed it except the amounts inside of it it's now 1100 calories because i've increased my calories that much i've just eaten the same thing but i've added more more to it it's tuna it's mozzarella it's veggies it's pumpkin it's rice it is the best but if i had to pick an outside meal i'm obsessed with chicken every single time for my birthday we go get charcoal chicken and i can just eat like 600 grams of it so charcoal chicken or i would say a burrito bowl with black beans i'll usually go white rice but it came with black rice and i i mean brown rice and i actually really liked it so black beans rice salsa nothing spicy i hate spice no <laughs> avocado no guacamole sorry i don't like that either but otherwise yeah burrito bowl <laughs> i like those i like those what about one band forever? If you can only listen to one artist, one musician forever, who would you pick? Taylor Swift. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I also have another tattoo that says fearless. She got me through a lot of high school stuff because I never used to have faith in myself. Believe I have faith there as well. But her album fearless, listening to her when I was going through my HSC, I don't know, like, even though she's changed the way she sings a lot, I just, I love Taylor Swift. I respect it. I respect it. But I also love Drake. Like, I need that rap as well, but that. I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is the biggest thing that you want to accomplish personally or professionally in the next calendar year? Personally, to get better at conversation and communication, which kind of leads into professionally, because I feel like it's the biggest link that's missing from everything no one actually communicates properly no one listens no one asks the right questions no one facilitates change through communication it's it's, it's i never had it growing up and that's why i struggle with it so much and that's why i'm working on it but it's that because i feel like once again going back to my purpose i feel like i can have more of an impact and create a lot more change with people that are that are stuck in superglue with better communication, with better conversations. That's another topic. I think you and I share a passion on that. We could probably do a whole episode on, but as we, uh, as we wrap things up today, Ruby, best places to connect with you, best places to reach you, where are we sending people? So on Instagram, I am at transform times Ruby, R U B Y not I E. <laughs> transform times ruby and on facebook i'm just ruby shuri they're the two main places to find me you will also find me with sam on a podcast on 100 with ruby once that one comes out so that'll be cool too but they're, they're the places to find me 
Wonderful. I will link to each of those. And I'm very much looking forward to part two on your podcast next time around. Me, Terry. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Ruby. <laughs>